Welcome to LifeBeat. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Right to Life of Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. I'm flying solo today uh, for just this week. Feels weird not to have a co-host or a guest on LifeBeat, but here we are. Um, going to talk about a couple things today, uh, a lot of them related to stuff going on, uh, activities that makes our September incredibly busy. We're going to talk about finish up talking about you know why all this activity matters, um, but let's start off with acknowledging that it is today, September eleventh, twenty twenty. It was nineteen years ago that the attacks in the World Trade Center and the Pentagon and the plane that crashed in Shanksville, uh, United Flight ninety three, and. It's interesting. Uh, I'm sure many of you listening were there through it and remember maybe watching it on news, on television. Um, I was a high school senior uh, in physics class. Remembered hearing about it and thinking, "Gee, a bomb, the, the a plane bomb, the World Trade Center. What does that mean? Is is World War Three with China about to start? Very confusing." Um, and so you have to mention it because it is September 11th. I think it does us a great disservice uh, when we forget these kinds of things. Uh, you know, why on a pro-life podcast are we talking about it? Um, it's kind of hard sometimes to find a correlation between our issue and this kind of foreign policy issue of a terrorist attack. Uh, it's tempting for a lot of people to always make comparisons, uh, you know, using whatever issue is hot or getting attention to make a pro-life point. We really try to avoid doing that at Right to Life of Michigan. There's other issues out there. They exist on their own. There's our issue. It exists on our own. You know, we get people who criticize us so often, you know, why aren't you weighing in on gun control or entitlement reform or et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, we tell these people those, those are issues that are beyond our scope and expertise. Other people get involved on them. Other people should have a say on those. Um, no one walks up to someone who is really concerned about uh, ending child hunger and says, why aren't you expressing an opinion on tax reform or uh, energy policy or foreign policy? It's really only the pro-lifers because it's easier to dismiss us than engage with the horror of abortion um and so even though you can make the comparison that the, you know there's more kids who die in abortion facilities than uh, who died on september 11th or say pearl harbor um in conversations it's usually not helpful to make those comparisons because i think a lot of people recognize that those are separate issues and you're just kind of trying to hack the conversation, uh, take advantage of the attention to bring attention to your own issue. And so we typically, we, we don't do those comparisons. I don't know, I still feel like we have to acknowledge it because this is a, a very American shared experience um, that we should obviously be talking a little bit about. And so 
what we've done the last couple of years, what we did today on, on social media is we just uh, post a picture of the 9-11 memorial in New York City. And on the memorial, there's several names mentioned, and those names include, um, you know, the, the person and her unborn child. Uh, and so just, you know, kind of a unique way to recognize that um, there were uh, the most, most people victimized by 9-11 were born, but there were several unborn children who were also victimized uh, and who had life and futures ahead of them that were taken away. And so... That's what we did, and uh, hopefully everyone doesn't forget this event uh, and still thinks about it, but uh, again, that's really, now we're kind of veering into a separate issue, so uh, let's turn to something a little bit less poignant, a little bit more frivolous, but that a lot of people are interested in, <laughs> yard signs, um, who doesn't go from... Uh, event that shocked the conscience of the nation, uh, the psyche of a nation to, uh, you know, canvas and iron wires stuck in your yard. Um, but uh, actually, you know, it, it always amazes me that uh, yard signs and billboards get so much attention in our office, so much traffic from people, either their comments or phone calls or even stopping in wondering, you know, do you have yard signs? And... I always find that a little interesting. Um, if you talk to people who do advertising and whatnot, they're not very keen on billboards. They like TV ads. They like radio. They like uh, digital ads that are smartly targeted. They kind of re regard uh, billboards and such as simply name ID. Um, and, you know, name ID is good. It's good for people to know your name. Uh, maybe in a certain situation where you're on the road and you're hungry and you see a billboard pop up for a restaurant at the next exit, that's highly effective. But otherwise, billboards are not the most effective. But uh, people love them. They really love them. And I have a, a theory for that, and that goes for not just pro-life billboards, but uh, the Trump yard signs that we have. And before I tell you my theory... I'll just tease to you uh, that we have 20,000 yard signs in. Uh, these are uh, Trump, they just say Trump 2020. They are blue and orange. Uh, they are paid for through our uh, Rights Life Michigan Victory Funds. And so uh, not a Trump campaign sign. It's not the characteristic blue or red. Uh, Mike Pence didn't make the cut on our, our yard signs as much as we love uh, our vice president. Um, but people really wanted these yard signs, so we have 20,000 of them. They are in our state office. You can go to Grand Rapids during uh, regular business hours and pick one up. We're working on a, uh, transportation details to get them out to our other offices around the state. We have our legislative office in Lansing and uh, two offices on the east side of the state in St. Clair Shores and Wyandotte, and they will have them shortly. You can always go to the Grand Rapids office and get one. Uh, any of our affiliates who are listening, uh, we're working out with the field reps to get you a supply that you can use, particularly in areas that may not have a lot of Trump signs there already. And so uh, if you're an affiliate member listening to this podcast and you really want one of those yard signs, you see a picture of it on our uh, Facebook or Twitter, uh, call your field rep and we'll work that out. So my theory on the yard signs is that 
uh, whether it's a Trump yard sign or a pro-life billboard is, you know, we live in a culture and a mainstream media that uh, <laughs> is not a big fan of the president, I think is one way to characterize it, uh, and certainly uh, not a big fan of our idea that every unborn child has human value. And so uh, I'll just say, as a, as a pro-lifer, it seems often like the media is dumping on us, whether intentionally or unintentionally, subtly or overtly. And certainly um, they dump on the president all the time. And so when you don't, it's kind of frustrating when you know that half the country basically is on your side, but you don't see that message reflected half the time in the news that you consume or the entertainment, um, which you hear on the radio. And so a yard sign and a billboard is, um, I don't want to call it virtue signaling. I mean, it is sort of, but I mean, it's just a way to, that that message is out there. That, that sign of um, unity or influence or whatever, that there are people out here who believe that unborn children have human value. And this sign is a reminder that it's out there in the midst of a culture that preaches that unborn children are nothing even though that message does not reflect the actual beliefs of the culture that we live in. And so that's the same with Donald Trump yard signs. You know, you see this with the polling. A lot of people have asked me, oh, who do you think is going to win? And I'll just be honest, I don't have a single clue. After 2016, well, after, after 2012, I should have quit. In 2012, I was for sure that Mitt Romney was going to beat Barack Obama. And I had good reasoning. They were roughly tied in the polls, uh, in the battleground states. And typically, when you have an incumbent tied with, uh, with the challenger in a poll, usually the undecideds in the middle don't go to the incumbent. The idea is, well, they've been through this incumbent two, four, six, whatever, eight years uh, for all these, you know, in these offices. And if they're not convinced they like him now, they're not going to be convinced on Election Day. And usually those will cut uh, most of the time towards Mitt Romney. Well, that didn't happen in, in 2012. That didn't happen at all. President Obama won. And I thought, wow, I have to kind of throw out that old rule in, in politics. Politics is always going to surprise us. In 2016, I was for sure that uh, Hillary Clinton was going to, to win. I believe the polls. Um, you know, I, I, I worked as if that wasn't the case, but uh, I didn't even watch the election returns in 2016. Uh, I was watching WMU uh, win a football game in their magical 2016 season. I had my phone out, and I was looking at the little New York Times uh, prediction graph. I checked periodically like every half hour or so, and suddenly you see Trump's odds of winning increasing. And I remember when they crossed over 50, and I was giddy. And at that point, I, I thought he was going to win. Like, there's no way this trend doesn't hold. Um, that was a weird experience, but that's because I believe the polls, you know. In polling, it's very clear that uh, there is a shy Tory effect or a shy Trump voter effect. The idea that uh, when you have a culture that is overwhelmingly sending 
uh, entertainment, media, whatnot, sending messages that this group of people are bad or this individual is bad. Uh, people who disagree and believe that individual or group or belief is good are not going to be honest with pollsters because they implicitly believe that they're going to be punished or canceled or persecuted in some manner for expressing that unpolitically correct opinion. And so uh, what's going to happen in 2020? I don't know. I do know that the polls are going to be overstating support for Joe Biden. I'm pretty sure that the media and pollsters didn't learn their lesson from 2016. If they did, things would look a lot differently. Um, and so that's why people, I think, love Trump signs. That's why they've been beating down our doors, asking us to have them. We've never done yard signs before unless it was for uh, a ballot measure that we were involved in. Uh, and so congratulations, you wore us down, and now we have 20,000 yard signs, and they all better be out in yards before Election Day. Well, uh, yard signs are obviously not the only thing going on for the election. We just finished uh, getting our Right to Life Michigan news together, and that's going to go out to 260,000 people, uh, members, and identified pro-life households with our endorsement guide. We're expecting those in our, in a competing for space in our warehouse uh, with those 20,000 yard signs uh, any, any moment now uh, or next week. We're also doing something really unique with churches and this initiative is called uh, love protects life uh, we settled on that because uh, we're just we just want churches to really internalize the idea that if we're going to love our neighbors uh, love that love puts a onus on us to act um, you think of the parable of the good samaritan who loved who loved that person in need? Was it the people who had good thoughts but walked on by? Or was it the person who dropped what he was doing to stop and help? And so this initiative is really geared towards uh, churches of, of all stripes. Um, I would say more our Protestant churches in the, in the Catholic Church, if you're Catholic and listening. Uh, many of you are probably familiar with Respect Life Sunday. Uh, which is that uh, first Sunday in October, uh, often when the life chains across the nation take place. And uh, not all Catholic churches really do that well. Um, they ought to, but uh, this is really an effort to get the Protestant churches engaged. And, and, and the goal is to just get every church, every pro-life church, because they're not all pro-life, and we'll get to that in a second, um, every church to take one Saturday in October, where we share one simple message that love protects life. And we have a lot of great resources to help churches do that. Uh, we have a nice video uh, featuring two pastors who have done a lot to help us out in terms of spreading pro-life messages and assisting with our programs, um, just talking about the importance of why they're pro-life and what it means for the church to be pro-life and get involved, um, why people have maybe some fears, why pastors maybe are a little uh, apprehensive about it. And uh, we have social media graphics, uh, discussion guides. Uh, we have the whole kit and caboodle. Everything, it's up on our website, rtl.org. 
if you want to go directly there and skip the home page, it's rtl.org slash lovelife. And a lot of great resources. You can sign up and register your church if you're a pastor or a church secretary or just a member listening and you want to get your church engaged. Um, just to, as a little incentive to get you to register. Um, so we know that you're doing it. Uh, we'll send you a free ebook. Uh, it was kind of fun uh, editing that down. It's an idea that we've always had is doing just another way to get some pro-life information out there. Uh, and it's an ebook geared towards uh, churches and getting involved in this whole message and purpose of love protects life. So, uh, yeah, I want to talk a little bit in a second about um, churches and pro-life in general. But I do want to add that we're going to be adding a segment to LifeBeat. Uh, it's not going to be replacing our typical bi-weekly uh, podcast every other week that we do. But once a month, we're also going to be interviewing uh, a church a pastor or some other figure that's going to talk about just kind of what it means to be uh, pro-life and their activities. And uh, we're going to start off in September and then in October with the two pastors that were part of the video uh, for Love Protects Life. And so um, we think the segment is good because uh, we really want churches to get engaged. And this kind of segues into my other point. Uh, you may be, if you're out there thinking, why is the, you know, uh, Rights Life Michigan is a non-sectarian organization that's in our mission. So uh, we're not a Christian service organization or a charity um, we are an advocacy group, and we have a simple mission of restoring protection, uh, legal protection for the unborn, as well as um, for those at the end of life and opposing infanticide. But uh, the churches have played such a big role in the pro-life movement from the beginning, um, and that is with two arms and two legs tied behind their back, to be honest. I think a lot of people who maybe aren't regular churchgoers based on what they hear in the culture and the media and entertainment, have this idea that churches are talking about this issue and obsessed with abortion. And that's all they talk about every every Sunday. And the pastor gets up and slams a Bible on the, on the, on the pulpit and just starts screaming about abortion, abortion. That's not, that's not even remotely true. Um, I'm sure maybe there's a few churches out there that do that, but the vast majority of experience that you're going to have going to a church is abortion is never really talked about. Maybe uh, if your church is really good about it, um, if your church makes an emphasis about it, you're going to hear about it in, say, the prayers of the faithful, uh, where, uh, you know, certain prayers are made for groups of people, and they'll say, pray for the unborn. Um, maybe if you're in a lot of churches, uh, I don't think I've ever heard of a, and I'm sure, I'm sure it has happened, but I, a Protestant church devoting, a lot of them will do, especially your kind of Baptist non-denominational ones will do series, uh, multi-week series, you know, two, three, four, eight, whatever weeks on a similar message. And I don't know that they'll ever do one on abortion, um, Abortion is not talked about a lot in church, and a lot of people are not engaged. And I'll say a lot of people who go to church have never really heard an articulate pro-life message, um, whether that's from a biblical uh, point of view or simply from a philosophical or even a political argument. 
Uh, a lot of people think that churches can't get involved because it's political. Uh, churches can certainly get involved in issues and, and preach and teach about them. People shouldn't feel afraid of that. That's very different from holding a campaign rally in your church. Um, churches exist to tell people uh, about what is good in life and what is true and what they should be pursuing and what is going to bring about the fulfillment of their purpose. And love, which a lot of churches profess to be a supreme value, you know, God is love. Love implies that we are going to sacrifice ourselves or give of ourselves to the benefit of another person. And so love demands that we protect life because the unborn children, who, who is my neighbor? The unborn child is your neighbor. That's that simple. An unborn child is a member of the human family. That's undeniable. If you're denying that, if you don't believe that, then shoot me an email and I'll have a nice long conversation with you. Uh, that's just a basic for whether that's human rights in our political system, uh, religion, Christianity, etc. If you believe some human beings are lesser than and don't have human value, then that's just going to it's just going to warp and and your entire frame of worldview. Not a good thing. So I encourage you check it out rtl.org/lovelife. Uh, we're going to be promoting that all through September. You're going to hear our first segment. Uh, involving a pastor. Uh, I still have to come up with a good name for it, uh, but you're going to see that, I believe, next Friday. So stay tuned for that. Um, other than uh, Love Protects Life and our newspaper and Yard Signs and all of our Get Out the Vote stuff uh, and all the TV ads and radio ads and social media ads and all the other stuff we're doing for the election, um, there's one important event we have on September 28th that a lot of this stuff is hinging on. Um, in terms of Love Protects Life, that's simple. That's just getting people involved and engaged and making a commitment. Uh, and that's all good to go. But uh, most of those other things, yard signs, TV ads, whatnot, they cost money. Those things don't come free. And so uh, on September 28th, we're having an online event. I always want to try to call it our online dinner, but it's not really... A dinner. It's going to be at. Uh, it's going to be at 7:30, and it's called "We Are Not Giving Up on Life." Um, and you can certainly eat dinner and watch it. Uh, but the purpose of this event is to take the place of dozens and dozens of our affiliate events that have had to been uh, canceled because of the pandemic, missing out on thousands and thousands of attendees, uh, getting a pro-life message. During these dinners, you know, really we look at our fundraising dinners that we have with affiliates is not just an opportunity to hear a pro-life story and for you to send us a check. Um, we do appreciate your checks. <laughs> but really an opportunity to educate people about what we're doing and the issue. Um, as a pro-lifer, writing a check is good, but that's not good enough. That's not really loving your neighbor. So, on September 28th, go to our website, rtl.org. You can register for this event. It's going to be, it's not going to be really long. It's going to be probably between a half hour and 40 minutes. 
We have two great guests, uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who is, of course, President Trump's press secretary, um, and she's going to talk. We have a musical guest, Matthew West. If you're not familiar with Matthew West, he did the uh, some of the music for the pro-life movie Unplanned, which I'm sure you've heard about. Uh, so you want to check that out. Uh, really, we want people to host watch parties because we can't all gather in, in, in big dinners with 100, 200, 1,000 people. Um, we are a grassroots organization, and it kills us that we have to do everything digital. It's just, it kills us. And so all these dinners we had to cancel, we got to make up this lost ground so we can run TV ads and we can do all these great things uh, for all this education that has to take place before November about the stakes. And so I would encourage you, uh, consider having a watch party, invite your friends, invite your family, uh, whatever you feel comfortable with in this pandemic. Uh, we can't have an event with a thousand people, but we can have 200 events with five people. And uh, we can still ha share the same message. We can still give and we can still feel what I love about attending our dinners and conferences and events and legislative day and all that is it energizes me. Because again, we are a grassroots organization. As much as we appreciate those of you listening to this podcast, uh, whether you find it through our website or Facebook or you're listening on the radio, um, we appreciate technology, but we're, we're a movement about recognizing everybody, protecting everybody, uh, being with everybody. And when we're not being with people in a grassroots way, it's awful. It's awful. And so uh, this is the best that we can do in the circumstances. And why are we doing all this? Why are we pulling our hair out in the month of September to get all this done? Well, obviously, because elections have consequences. We say it so often that we get sick of saying it, but it's absolutely true. Elections have consequences. And I just want to close with a perfect example of that. Uh, the fourth U.S. Circuit Court decided that uh, President Trump's Protect Life rule, if you remember, the Protect Life rule was that uh, our Title X family planning funding in the U.S. was never intended to go to abortion facilities, yet it does because Planned Parenthood has captured a lot of it. And so the Protect Life rule said, hey, the law says it's not supposed to go to abortion. If you're an abortion facility, you can't get this money because you're not doing any meaningful to separate that out. And so the Protect Life rule is basically a partial defunding of Planned Parenthood. It's totally legal. Um, the Supreme Court, in a case called Rust versus Sullivan, uh, said that the, the government can do this. There's no, nothing unconstitutional about uh, not giving money to abortion facilities. There's nothing in the Constitution that says abortion facilities uh, have a right to your taxpayer dollars. But the Fourth Circuit Court said in the state of Maryland, um, the Trump administration can't do this and abortion facilities can get your tax dollars that are supposed to be for preventing pregnancy and instead uh, utilize this funding in a, in a very uh, backhanded way to take lives that result from pregnancy. So, even though President Trump has uh, done such a great job appointing uh, fair judges, you look at the Ninth Circuit Court out there in the West Coast, and they're no longer the, the butt of jokes and the laughing stock of uh, judicial reasoning anymore. They're coherent and they make sense. 
It's a miracle. But however, that's not every circuit court. And the Fourth Circuit Court um, decided that, uh, that they don't care what the Supreme Court or the Constitution or the Trump administration or the federal law says. Planned Parenthood's going to get their money in Maryland as of right now. Um, so this might have to go up to the Supreme Court, and they might have to rule on this. Uh, if we don't do our jobs between now and November, uh, the Ruth Bader Ginsburg court with a 5-4 to four vote majority, you never know, um, is going to be the ones maybe deciding that. And they might agree with the Fourth Circuit Court that these uh, gag rules, as the uh, majority opinion called it, look at that, the majority opinion is adopting the verbiage of the other side. What's fair about that? I mean, the pro-life movement doesn't want judges to be uh, pro-life advocates. We just want them to be fair. And the Ginsburg court, if Trump loses, if Biden wins, is never going to give pro-lifers a fair shake. So keep that in mind. All right, that's all the time we have for this edition of Life Beat. Join us again next week for that special pastor feature I was talking about. And then we'll have our regular podcast episode back with you on Friday, October 2nd. Have a wonderful weekend.